Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. We find ourselves coming to the last part of our series called Nine Flavors. One of my hopes throughout this series is that you would forever remember the words found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. These are powerful words that we have been studying all summer long. And it's been my hope that you never forget these words. It's my hope that it's more than an academic exercise as well. Sometimes memorizing can be enjoyable. Sometimes it can be a a burden. Probably just depends on how you're wired. But I want this to be more than an academic exercise. It is my hope that these living words of what God the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate in our lives propels us to actually live this way. I think that would be an incredible thing, and that's my hope for all of us. That's my hope for Valley Point Church as we continue to think through the words of Galatians 5, 22, and 23. I have encouraged you to memorize these words. Hopefully, you've done that by now. Let's give it a shot and see how we're doing. So stand with me, and let's say these words. They will be on the screen for you, so we'll give you that help. Here we go. Let's say it together. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Pause. Before we list the fruit, I just want to thank Gus Sereka for teaching last week on how we can walk by the Spirit. He did a fantastic job. And what we discovered there is that when we walk by the Spirit, when we walk with the Spirit, he does indeed cultivate and he grows the list of the fruit of the Spirit, which is a great thing. So the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Here we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Today, we have the privilege of thinking about the fruit of gentleness. And I'm excited to share with you, thank you so much for being here today. You may be seated. Now, here's the thing. As we think about cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, I think it can be easy to let skepticism and sarcasm rule. That's just an easy thing. And it happens, especially when we're challenged. Hey, you be loving and you be filled with joy and you be peaceful and kind and patient. It's very easy to say, you know, I'm not so sure that's going to work. And so we get a little sarcastic and we become skeptical. I know I do and perhaps you feel the same way. And for me, it comes out this way and see if it's true for you. If I actually live that way, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on and so forth. If I actually lived that way, I will be eaten alive in the real world because I'll be too nice. Or we could even say it this way. If I act that way, I will become church soft. (laughs) And if I become church soft, let's face it, in the real world, that's not going to play very well. It's just not going to happen. So when we think about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, forget about it. 
And now we're going to add gentleness to that mix? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't believe it's going to work. But let's think about this, though, because the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus has always been and always will be counterculture. It will be. If we say we want to live like Jesus and we want to follow his example and we want to share his words and his goodness, if we want to pass on Jesus to others, if we really want to live that way, we will be countercultural. That will happen because it's just different. Living like Jesus is different. I would posit that it's a better way to live, not necessarily easy, but certainly a better way to live. I actually started reading a little book and the title of it is Why on Earth Did Anyone Become a Christian in the First Three Centuries? And the question kind of caught my attention and I'm like, yeah, why on earth did anyone become a Christian in the first three centuries? Because if you go back historically and look at the birth of Christianity and the birth of those who are following Jesus, you come to the conclusion that it was very difficult for them to say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. We can say that today. And while there might be some people who may not be happy with us, by and large, most of our friends and family members are going to say, hey, that's wonderful, good for you. That might not be my thing, but I'm happy for you. Good luck with that. Well, that did not happen in the first three centuries. They pretty much, by virtue of being connected to Jesus, if they said that, lost everything. Many of them even had to give up their lives. But what we know historically is that in the first three centuries, Christianity just exponentially grew. It exploded in very significant ways more than any other religious group. So why on earth, in the midst of losing potentially everything, Did anyone become a Christian in the first three centuries? And here's what the author says. Why did those who affirmed their Christian commitment think that this was a good choice? What about early Christianity in particular in comparison with other options of the time, which would have been safer, moved people to become and remain adherents? The author goes on to say, it seems to me that among what most readily distinguished early Christianity were certain beliefs or teachings. And that was actually attractive to people. So much so that they were willing to give up their lives for these beliefs and these teachings. I would submit to you that one of those teachings very well could have been the list of the fruit of the spirit that we have been discussing and the fruit of gentleness. And the reason I say that is because gentleness during that time frame was not looked upon as a great thing to be or a good thing to do. If you were gentle, As a Christian in the first three centuries, you would have been in a lot of trouble. But here's Paul saying, hey, why don't you consider this? Kind of shocking material here. Let me do this. Let me define gentleness just so that we have some common language as we move forward. Gentleness can be defined this way. It is the ability to endure hostility and criticism without aggression, bluster, 
or angry words. Kind of difficult, don't you think? It's the ability for all of us when someone may be hostile or critical, deserved or even undeserved, when someone is hostile or critical to us and we respond without aggression, bluster, or angry words, I think we all can agree as you look and pay attention to anything that's happening in our culture right now, there is a lot of aggression and bluster and angry words. So I believe these ancient words are really appropriate for us today. I think you can also describe gentleness this way. It's being aware that the other person who may be hostile and critical is a human being with feelings too. All right, so the other person who may be hostile and critical is a human being. By the way, all human beings made in the image of God himself. (laughs) It doesn't mean we act like it. And if someone's being hostile and critical to you, they may not be acting in the image of God. But we have to remember that they are a human being with feelings too. So I want you to keep those two definitions in mind as we talk about the fruit of gentleness Here's how today is going to work. I want to share a big idea with you that will frame our conversation. And then I want to talk about gentleness in the ancient world. We've talked about that a little bit. Why on earth did anyone become a Christian way back in the day? So we need to talk about that because the words of Galatians that we've read, hey, church, the Holy Spirit wants to produce in you love, joy, peace, so on and so forth, and gentleness. This is written in the context of a hostile environment. And so we want to look at gentleness in the ancient world. And then I want to look to another passage of scripture. It was a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to a young church leader by the name of Titus. And he talks to him a little bit about gentleness and how valuable it is for how you lead. And from that, we will get two thinking points that you're going to hear over and over and over again. You're going to be sick of hearing them because they're going to be our takeaways too. But you're going to walk out of here remembering these two things. And I think it has the potential to change quite a bit where we live, work, and play. Okay, does that make sense? Big idea, gentleness in the ancient world. We'll talk about Titus and then some practical takeaways. Now, take out your talk notes, okay? And grab a pen. I would encourage you to fill in some of these blanks Here's our big idea, humility before God and gentleness towards others works. It just works. It doesn't always make sense and it doesn't always seem like something we should do, but it just works. Humility before God and gentleness towards others works. But that's not what they experienced in the ancient world which again is the world that these words in Galatians were written to that we are studying. So in the ancient world, gentleness was not valued at all. Let's talk a little bit about a guy named Aristotle. I'm sure some of you remember him. We have a picture of Aristotle here, not looking too bad for a dead guy. All right, that's Aristotle. Aristotle was, in, uh, he was a Greek 
philosopher and scientist who lived from 384 to 322 BC. He was a student of Plato. You might remember him as well. So Aristotle, Plato, really smart guys, philosophers, and scientists. Now, here's what you need to know about Aristotle. He was not an author of scripture. He wasn't. He wrote a lot of other things, but he didn't write anything in scripture. There's not a book of the Bible that Aristotle wrote, but it is important to know that he had significant impact on the Greco-Roman world, and that certainly would have influenced the New Testament writers. So Aristotle, he kind of had a begrudging view of gentleness as a virtue. Like, it is a virtue, and it's kind of important, but we'll put it way at the bottom of the list. There are other things that are much more important. He had this begrudging view of the virtue of gentleness. And the reason he had this kind of view of gentleness is that humility, the kissing cousin of gentleness, and gentleness, so humility and gentleness, they kind of travel together. Humility and gentleness were hated by the Greeks and the Romans. They didn't like those two virtues. In their place was pride and bravado and self-promotion. This is how you get ahead in life. Humility, (laughs) that's not gonna work. In that culture, people would step all over you. And so Aristotle and other philosophers promoted that you should not be a humble person. You shouldn't be gentle. No, of course not. That's not going to work. It's not going to end well for you. You need to be proud and braggadocious and really self-promote. This was normal. One scholar reflecting on the writings of Aristotle, kind of packaged it this way. He said, in Aristotle's world, if you were struck on the cheek, well, in the Bible we know, if someone strikes you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek and you give that to them. Again, remember, living the way of Jesus, very countercultural. That doesn't even make sense. Why would you do that? That's a bad thing. But that's what scripture encourages us to do. Well, according to Aristotle, if someone struck you on the cheek, well, you should turn around and throat punch them, (laughs) okay? Or I don't think he exactly said it that way, but it's not a good thing to turn the other cheek. You want to be aggressive back because this is how you get ahead in life. So it is into this cultural reality, and this is what is so fascinating about this. It's into this cultural reality. Humility, no. Gentleness, No, not a good thing. Brag, be prideful, promote yourself. Into that culture, it's almost kind of funny. (laughs) The Apostle Paul writes and he says to the churches, be gentle, be gentle. Kind of sounds like a recipe for disaster, right? And as I was studying this and thinking about it, the question I had is why would Paul encourage them to be gentle? Well, one of the reasons I believe Paul encouraged them to be gentle is because God himself is gentle. 
And when you walk through the pages of scripture from the front cover to the back cover, you discover that God is a loving God. He is a gentle God. And so it just makes sense that those who follow him, they would be gentle as well. And this is one of the things that we've been talking about in our series. God is love. And so those who follow him should be loving. God is joy. So those who follow him should be joyful. God is peace. So those who follow him should be peaceful. And so on and so forth. It just makes good sense. But again, very disturbing for these individuals to hear because they knew it meant a lot of trouble for them. Which now brings us to another passage where the Apostle Paul talks about being gentle. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Titus chapter three. I'm gonna read verses one and two in just a moment. Titus is another New Testament book written by the Apostle Paul, the same author of the book of Galatians, and he's writing to a young leader And he says some very interesting things to him in verses one and two. And I'm gonna condense that and shorten it a little bit to give us our two thinking points and our two phrases. While you're finding that, let me give you this context on Titus. Titus is a young minister. He's left on the island of Crete by Paul to begin the challenging task of organizing new converts into local churches. In this letter, Hey, keep in mind, this is a real letter written by a real person, the Apostle Paul, to a real historical figure named Titus. So this is real stuff here. In this letter, Paul shares with Titus some practical wisdom regarding church organization and administration. And as part of this encouragement, here's what Paul says to Titus. I think it's fascinating. Here it is. Verse one, Titus chapter three, remind the believers, be ready to do what is good. They should be, say the word with me, gentle, and show true, say it, humility to everyone. Wow. Remind the believers, if you've trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, you are a believer, and While these are ancient words that were written to people a long time ago, they're so appropriate for believers today. So believers, here it is. You, me, be ready to do what is good. And the question becomes, well, how how do you do that? Because that's kind of a broad statement, just be ready to do what is good. How do you actually accomplish that? Well, the text tells us Be gentle, be gentle, and show true humility to everyone. So here are the two thinking points, and you're gonna hear this over and over again. I want this to be burned into your mind as you walk out of here. Here's the whole deal today. All of us, be ready to do what is good, okay? And we do that by being gentle and showing true humility to everyone, to everyone. So let's break this down a little bit and put it into some categories. In your home, in your home, 
And everybody has a different home situation here. Maybe your home life is wonderful and great and you love it and that's wonderful. Good for you. No relationships don't stand still. They're either moving forward or they're going backwards. So you have to continue to work at that, but that's good news. Maybe you're here and home life is, it's a disaster. And maybe nobody knows that. It's kind of a secret. You're trying to figure out how to work your way through this but you're really struggling and you're hanging on by a thread. Or maybe you would put your home life somewhere in between those two spectrums. So in your home, here it is. Be ready to do what is good. And how do you do that? Be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Where you work, And we all have work. Some of our work is what we get paid for. Some of our work is unpaid. Maybe you are retired. You probably still have some kind of work that you have to accomplish and you have to do. So in your workplace, be ready to do what is good. And how do you do that? Be gentle and show true humility to everyone. In your church, How about this? Be ready to do what is good by being gentle and showing true humility to everyone. In your communities, where you live, imagine if a faith community like this just took it upon themselves to say, you know what? Where we live, in our areas, we're gonna be prepared to do what is good by being gentle and showing true humility to everyone. What a difference we could make. It'd be an amazing thing. So in your communities, be ready to do what is good by being gentle and showing true humility to everyone. In your school, now students in the room, I know you're out of school right now and that's wonderful and you should enjoy that, but school will return soon. So when that happens for you, here's the deal. You, in that school, be ready to do what is good. And how do you do that? Be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Now, how about this? Those with whom you have opposing views, beliefs, and values. All right, let me read that again. With those who have opposing views, beliefs, and values than you. Be ready to do what is good by being gentle and showing true humility to everyone. Now, let me give you two takeaways. I don't think this is gonna be a shock to you. Here's takeaway number one. Are you ready? Be ready to do what is good, okay? As you leave in the parking lot and someone cuts you off in the church parking lot, no less, and you're ready to wave some type of symbol at them, just hold on, at least for today, at least for today, and say, okay, here we are. I need to be ready to do what is good even here in the church parking lot. That's takeaway number one. Here's the second one. It's the how. Be gentle. Be gentle and show true humility to everyone. I think the question may be, why act this way? 
Because honestly, it's kind of easy to say, well, this is what we should do, and maybe we get it intellectually, but maybe we're not ready to assent to that quite yet. You know, it makes sense, but why act this way? Well, back to the big idea. Humility before God and gentleness towards others works. It just works. It doesn't always make sense, but it works. And I think Aristotle got it wrong. I think the Apostle Paul, another ancient wise writer, I think he got it right by saying, church, you be ready to do what is good. Be ready to do that. And and here's how. Be gentle and show true humility to everyone. I, I want you to think about this. Here's what author Christopher Wright says. Humility comes a lot easier when you really know yourself, when you know the weak and flawed person who is living inside the shell that you have on the outside, then out of that deep well of self-knowledge and awareness and gratitude for the grace of God that has rescued you from your own sin and failure comes humility before God and gentleness towards others. May God give us the strength and the ability and the passion to live this way, the way of God himself, the way of Jesus. Father, we come before you one more time and we say this is what we desire. This is what we want today. We want this fruit of gentleness to be cultivated in our lives. So I pray that you'd help us to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who wants to grow this in us. God, I pray that you'd help me with that. I'm aware that I need to grow in this area as well. And so I stand before you and before the amazing people of Valley Point Church and say, I need help with this too. And God, I think a lot of us would probably nod our heads and say, you know, there's times where we just respond to hostility and criticism directed our way with angry words and bluster. And we try to self-promote because that's kind of what you have to do sometimes to get ahead. God, I pray that you'd help us to take upon ourselves the ancient words of the Apostle Paul who said, you know what? Live a different kind of way. Instead of being like culture, be like Jesus. And be ready to do what is good. One of the ways we can do that, God, is by being gentle with our words and our actions and showing true humility to others. God, that's gonna look different in each situation for every person. I pray that you give us the strength and the ability to know how to respond to this and how to implement it in our lives. But God, I pray that you'd help us all to walk out of here and go to where we live, work, and play and and just be ready 
to lift up this virtue. God is gentle. It makes good sense that those who follow him would be gentle as well. God, may you use Valley Point Church to make a really big difference everywhere we go in the communities that surround this place to be gentle, to be gentle. Help us now to live this out. We do pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.